0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bevies with the boys. My name is Munchables. I'm joined by Dagda. We are the boys, and today for Bevies, we are joined <laughs> by Kobe and Azale, two legends of League of Legends esports. Both of you guys, ex-pros as well in different categories. Um, True. I want to give washed, you guys <laughs> both ex-pros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I want to give you guys an opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves a little bit. I think everybody obviously is going to know who you guys are, but. Um, we, what we usually do at the start of an episode is give everyone an opportunity to kind of say hello, and, and then we'll take a little trip down memory lane with you guys, if that's all right. So welcome to the episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, You're welcome. how are you guys doing? How's the offseason been for you guys?
1: Uh, it's been really fun. Um, I mean, the offseason, I always really like the time where preseason, everything gets shaken up and everyone's on the hunt for the next broken thing. And I get to have fun with the super broken thing for, for like two weeks until they figure it out and, and they nerf it into the ground. Like, I became a cane main yeah. for, for two weeks straight. You know, going through ah. the cane. I was all over the place. I was like, this champ is so fun. Oh, my God. Boom. <laughs> he gets the axe so hard. Uh, but then you just move on to the next broken thing. You, you always got to have backups ready. Uh, but I really enjoy that that pattern, um, especially because, like Azale was saying at the beginning, we are both washed up. So if I want to get high rated again, I gotta have. You need so, the advantages. You gotta have the edge. That <laughs> was yeah. broken, but not broken enough that they nerfed it in time. So they let it through. So I can try and get high rated at the beginning of the season. Take my screenshot and, and peace. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't
2: know. Off season has been fun. Yeah, it's been nice to to relax. I and mean, Worlds is always a pretty big grind. I find, mm-hmm. um, and the, and the league That's, season okay. it is. Yeah, I mean, for overnight, it's horrible, honestly. Yeah, you, yeah. you're like, you know, going in to cast at like 1 a.m. or whatever, and going till till morning and stuff. Right, you get there, it's dark. You leave, it's it's morning time, and you're supposed to go to bed. So, uh, I always find worlds to be a pretty big grind on overnights, and the season's really long because really, league goes like 11 months of the year, right? If you're yeah. doing if you're doing international stuff, and you're doing especially if you're doing content and stuff for off seasons and whatever, um, this is kind of like the one time of year. Where I have more time to just chill, so I I definitely had been playing a lot of preseason, and then Shadowlands came out, so I've been playing less preseason <laughs> and playing some WoW, and and uh, that's fun for me because it's just like League for me is so intertwined with work now. So if I'm playing yeah. League, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about work, I'm thinking about casting, I'm thinking about LCS and and all that stuff. So um, it's kind of fun to be able to play some single player games or play some WoW or whatever, and it's just like brain off, just gaming.
0: And I, I do just want to quickly hit on Shadowlands that You mentioned it briefly because I know some people. We've already. I already know the answer to this one, but how much of the Shadowlands have you been playing? Are you are you climbing the ladder in Arena? How's it? How's that uh, all been going?
2: I've been playing quite a bit, and and yeah, I'm definitely definitely climbing. um almost 2400 first week, so that's pretty fun. Um, like top hundred or so or something like that, and 2600 MMR, which is pretty high. So uh, it's been fun. It's been fun playing with some of my, <laughs> my old teammates and stuff. Uh, I'm playing with C.D.U. and like one of his teammates that he's like, he was my, the guy I was sponsored with uh, when I was uh-huh. still pro. And one of the guys that he's currently sponsored with is doing the PVE world first race. So he's too busy. So, so I get to step <laughs> in as the wash, the wash, <laughs> X pro. Um, and play some games with some really good teammates and some really good friends. So it's well, watched fun. up,
1: still top 100, though. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that guys. doesn't sound yeah, that, you that mean, much back to in me. I have <laughs> <laughs> a different class. So. Yeah, you know, yeah,
2: I try, try my best, but I'm playing an easier class, right? See, like before, it was like rank one in the world on Warlock, hard class. Now just I'm top just 100. every warrior. War-
3: every warrior has just been dissed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they're if they're denying it, they're just in denial. So I don't know, man. Uh, Warrior War is <laughs> pretty straightforward, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's uh, I I like playing WoW. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a fun game for sure, especially when you're playing with
3: friends. Yeah. it definitely seems like the kind of game that's just caught everyone up together. Cause like the amount of, like I've seen like Cutie Pie and Scar and all of them are back together, all playing Shadowlands. It just seems like a nice game to just everyone will play and just join in together with. That's, that's the that's,
2: yeah. At The start of expansions. That's why it's so much fun. Everyone is playing. Like like I don't play most of the time anymore, right? Kobe doesn't play most of the time, but Kobe's in there at the start. Like all kinds of LCS pros are in there at the start. Uh old friends they used to play WoW with for like fifteen years are in there at the start. Like everyone jumps in if they're big into WoW, usually at the start of expansions. So you have like a, a month or whatever uh where everyone's playing.
1: Yeah. And I've even like my judgment of expansions, um, I know a lot of people they're always looking at like the beta and like, oh, what kind of new systems and, and mm-hmm. are they pruning, you know, abilities or are they adding abilities or or what's it gonna be like? I my memories of expansions are almost all just about who was playing and who I got to play with and then when they quit. Cause like sure. I every single expansion I end up quitting when I don't have people to arena with or I don't have you don't have friends playing, right? MMOs are all about yeah. how many friends you have playing. And for this one, I even got a whole bunch of my friends that have never played WoW to become addicted to wow so that is (laughs) that is really fun because they're they're like fresh and they're like oh my god like i never knew it was so fun now i get you know how people get sucked into this and, and they're on there you know trying to grind but also trying to do like transmog runs and like farming mounts and like all these different random aspects and yeah, uh, so that and i think that's really cool they're asking you Have to you go played? run
0: the raids that you've played like a thousand times 10 years ago yeah i, I played I like it absolutely
3: everything i tried loaded, classic wow. when it first came out and i had like great fun with it but i got to like level 30 i think it was it's was just like i this is such a time sink like i you need should... to do actual work <laughs> <laughs> you should try you should
2: try shadowlands leveling because by comparison yeah. it takes like so much less time like I, you, you can go one to 50 now in six hours Like, and you can, and you can go 50 to 60 in like, I mean, you know, that's, that's a really fast pace, but even if you took twice as long, it's not that bad, right? You can progress very quickly. And like 50 to 60 is like 10 hours or something. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely a good time for new people to get in the game. And it's, it's always fun um, playing with new people, like uh, Kobe's saying, because it's like, it's just, everything is like new and shiny and it's new experience, you know, like I was playing uh, last year, Joanne, my wife was uh, played with me and she'd never touched an MMO before. And it was just, like, really fun for me to play with her because, like, things that had just become so passe for me were so exciting for her, right? It was like, you know, we turn in some quests and get some, like, shitty green reward, and she's like, ah, oh, this looks, so, you know, <laughs> she's all excited. It's like,
0: ah, oh, new clothes! For strength, full stamina, the belt.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The first dungeon I tried to do on Classic, I uh, had no idea what I was doing. And I just ran in like I did the full Leroy Jenkins. I was just like, "We're going for it. Let's do it. This is going to be great." Instantly wiped, and everyone was dead. I was like, "So bad. I'm so sorry." Yeah. No, I, I, I'm
1: so old. I'm such a boomer of games. I remember when Leroy Jenkins actually came out, and it was- <laughs> that was that was real time. It's so long ago.
0: Oh man, that is a long old time ago. I, I so I, I played since um, since Ben and Crusade, and I I think I stopped just before Legion. I played a little bit of Warlords and then I, I gave up at that point. But I the thing about new expansions to me was always that it would bring the same friend group I had back together for the new expansion and every single time, without fail, we'd make a guild and then very quickly realize how dysfunctional our friend group was. Because, like, <laughs> instantly you got people flaking. People, like, old arguments would spark up again when it comes to loot and all this other stuff. And then the guild would collapse in, like, two months and then we would all actually go and find <laughs> guilds that would actually work for us. But it was the same same story every single expansion. Um, That's funny. Yeah. WoW Wo is definitely one of the games that I think brings all of esports together. I think most people in esports have at least some experience with it. Um, I do want to go a little bit down memory lane with you guys though and kind of talk through the starts of your careers a little bit because it's something we've done on a few of our episodes and I think it's something that a lot of viewers find really interesting because one thing I've noticed is a lot of the viewer base in League of Legends esports these days is much newer um, than I think A lot of us give it credit for and so some of the stuff that i know about your guys histories a lot of people might not know where you actually came from and the the fact that you guys have been pros in in league and other games um so i wanted to give you guys an opportunity to kind of give us some of the cliff notes of what your story so far is within esports and and how you got to the position you guys are in because you're kind of at that legendary status as commentators within (laughs) within esports so uh, kobe we'll start with you if you want to do you want to give us kind of like the step-by-step of, of how it all happened?
1: Step-by-step. Step. All right. By <laughs> what what first step do I start with then? Do I start with like... When your mom and dad <laughs> met each other. Yeah. <laughs> <Play it. laughs> Kick us think with the my first competitive beat. rivalry was obviously with my brother. I have a younger brother. who's <laughs> three years younger. So it was like, he wasn't so young that that he couldn't like understand the games or play the games. But it was three years. It was big mm-hmm. enough that I would win everything. And so like my competitive history started out which is winning everything all the time versus <laughs> my brother um and there's even like uh just like fighting games on nintendo 64 you know like golden eye um super far back um but like if you jump forward uh to to college where i came in as like One of those players where people always talk about Smash Bros. Melee of like, oh, yeah, you're the best in your friend group. You think you're hot shit. And then you go to like your first tournament and you just get dumped on. Uh, Like that was my experience. And so I was like, all right, I'm done with consoles uh, altogether. I'm not (laughs) a console gamer. I'm out of there. And I started playing, um, I think, um, Warcraft 3, like just like the regular mode. And then we started getting into, you know, all the, the custom maps and stuff with my friends. Yeah. And that, of course, led to Dota, which is, you know, MOBA world. Um, and, and we did when League beta was announced. It wasn't even, you know, live when my friends brought it to, like, our friend group. And they're like, oh, we should try this because we all like Dota a lot. And, and I tried it a couple of times and we all hated it. We we're like, what is this little baby cartoon game? All the champions are big. The map is small. You can't creep deny. You can't block. You can't do any of this stuff. They're so, like, you know, when uh, you die. <laughs> exactly. I was like, this this is like going backwards. We're going into the into the kitty zone here, and, and so we all quit. But but then eventually, like we would always go back and play some more and some more and some more. Um, and then since there were, it was in beta, um, and there were like there weren't that many people playing. I quickly rose to the top, and and that brought back like memories of just like always winning. And I was like, I like this again. That's so good. You're back yeah. in melee again. Yeah. Yeah, and so. And so I was just, you know, you find yourself winning uh, in queues like that. At the top, you will always face the same players over and over and over. And so then I start to develop relationships with all of the players at the top. You know, there are those people that you recognize that you hate and those people that you always want on your team, like Big Fat Gigi. Um, And it was literally, you know, League of Legends at this point would get to like the top game of the highest MMR would be which team was, was Gigi's team. Like which team did he have his his squad? Because he would bring in. At this point, there were some players um, from Korea that were playing on on the NA server because there there were no uh, yeah. there was no Korean server at that point, obviously, or Chinese server. Um, and so and so, uh, you know, there was there were see these some mixes of those top players. Um, and eventually, uh, I'll just skip forward a whole bunch because this is take going to take a super long time. Uh, Hotshot, <laughs> uh, Hotshot, as well as GG and Chouster... Um, and elements and we made clg um, and at that time this was in the very old days of competitive gaming where you would win mouse literal win mouse pads i think i got like four laptop heaters or coolers, excuse me, heaters. <laughs> laptop heaters. <laughs> yeah. Four,
3: four yeah. laptop. It was April Fool's Day. Yeah.
1: Won- <laughs> I want four laptop coolers from the same tournament. They were like, ah, we're out of the other stuff. So how about a whole bunch of laptop coolers? And I was like, what? What's <laughs> the other stuff? Like a processor and something oh, you at least. Um, but we would play, yeah, like Newegg online tournaments or you know, or random other things that would pop up. And, and we would still be super excited to win. Like, i get a bunch of RP or, you know, these random computer parts or something. Um, and then I got, uh, as season one is approaching, I get kicked from the team. I get benched for St. Vicious, uh, which I was super pissed about at the time. But uh, it took me, like, uh, a month or something to get over uh, where I didn't talk to them for a while. Um, but uh, the, then I, they... Ended up taking me with them to Season 1 World Championship anyway, because they felt bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I still got to go to DreamHack and, and got to go to the place. Um, uh, I skipped over WCG 2010. That's where we actually won, um, which was technically an international competition. But again, there was like no Korean server and stuff. So there were Chinese teams and there was uh, Southeast Asian teams and European teams. But we won that, and that's where I got to meet Mark Merrill and Brandon Beck. Um, yeah, and we got a gold medal for North America. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe there's like an IEM championship or something that North America got, but it might be the only. E- yeah, TSM won the IEM,
2: right? Yeah, TSM uh, won the IEM one. Okay, I guess uh, I, Tigers or something, wasn't it? Or, yeah, uh, Coup. I guess, Yeah. Um,
1: but. Basically, me playing on CLG um, made made a lot of connections within Riot because the company was so small at that point. Mm-hmm. And then when they announced they're starting the LCS, um, uh, you know, I, I had quit by that time after I got uh, benched on CLG for St. Vicious. I graduated college and I was working in uh, as an industrial engineer for two years. Uh, found out I hate regular life desk work. And um, I, I would always go to the tournaments and complain to all my old league friends about how I need to get back in somehow. And so when they announced LCS, I was like, I'll be an announcer then. Finger, how about right? that? Because uh, I was already doing uh, on the weekends uh, announcing for TSM invitationals uh, for Reggie and stuff. Um, so yeah, that, uh, then LCS, that was 2013. And it's been, you know, over 10 years now of, of a straight LCS. And the rest, as
0: they say, is history.
1: Yeah, um, for me, I mean,
2: mine is kind of spread across some different games and stuff. Um, But I mean, I grew up playing games and everything. Um, You know, I really got into into WoW in in high school, Um, and you know, but I had played like StarCraft, Brood War a lot, and Counter Strike, and Age of Empires, and and all those kind of games growing up. Played Dota. Played, you know, uh, always was into a lot of multiplayer games and, and playing online um the first thing i I really did play like a lot a lot though was was wow um and you know i I got into that i started doing when arena came out in tbc uh, you know i got like rank one in in all the different modes and you know did all these things and started kind of getting recognized a bit started competing in some online tournaments but like in the early in the early days of of wow esports uh canadians weren't allowed to compete uh in (laughs) in tournaments So like the first like the first BlizzCon, right. for example, uh, I don't know, some sort of some sort of rules that they had. Uh, I remember <laughs> yeah. I remember oh, the first no. BlizzCon was like a, a 2v2 right. rule, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it was like based on population, each battle group, because it used to be divided up into your different battle groups, yeah. like different servers essentially, uh, you know, X amount of teams for, at, at the top of 2v2 ladder qualified to this online uh qualifier thing. So we qualified to that and we were like 200 lp above second place i'm like blizzcon is like for free like we're gonna win for free one of you have to try and uh and i didn't get invited even though we're the first place team but like so much uh i guess because i was canadian i guess uh the next year same thing happened it was like a 5v5 mode um one qualifier didn't get invited it's like that was like my early esports experience was like feeling like i i could go to these things and win but never getting invited um and was your if, first character warlock sorry what did you did yeah. you start as warlock okay okay mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah i played a warlock at well i mean my, not my very first at level 60 but like in arena it was uh, i played a, a warlock at the end of 60 and did nax and all that and pvp'd a lot and battlegrounds and stuff and was so excited when arena came out um uh but it was like so that was happening and then it was really funny because i i was i was on a 5v5 team this was like season one or season two or something Mm -hmm. and um and 5v5 back in the day like a competitive arena is 3v3 but like 5v5 was considered like the cool mode back in the day so that's why everyone played and my team that i was on booted me off because they didn't want a warlock they want there's uh this team that was really famous um way back in season one i don't know if you remember this kobe but like called pandemic and they were like they were, like, the most famous WoW team, right? Um, but all the tournaments were invite-only. So, like, I didn't think they were that good, but they won every tournament at the start because uh, there was, like, no no one could just show up and, and play against them. You had to get mm-hmm. invited. So they released this 5v5 video, and everyone thought they were hot shit, and they were playing the same composition that we were, but with a mage instead of a warlock. So my team kicked me off <laughs> oh, to get a mage no. because they're like, well, Pandemic's running this, so we got to run this. So... I get fucking pissed. So first, I make another team on the same battle group and I take rank one from my old team. Then I transfer to the te- the battle group where Pandemic is
0: ah. and I take their
2: rank one too. <laughs> so the, te- the, the team that my team was copying, I take their rank one as well. I'm like, fuck you. And uh, I was playing with one of my first uh, teammates who made, and we 4 v 5 them. Like our one of the first games we played against Pandemic who was supposed to be the best team in the world and all of this. One of our players DC'd and we beat them 4v5. And um
1: and, <laughs> no way, no way, no <laughs>
2: yeah. way. And and this was this was back in the day where you could still like global chat, like you could talk to each other in the arena. Oh so we're God. like we're like talking trash and stuff because I think the first game we queue up we get them, we lose. And some of the people I was playing with like knew this team. So they like came in like our, our ventrilo or our team speaker, whatever the hell we were using back then, and start talking shit and being like, Well, warlock, like why would you play with that? You guys are trash, blah blah, blah. like you'll never win with the warlock. And then so the next game we have a DC and we four v five them and we're all just spamming wall Warlock in the arena, <laughs> and one of my teammates made a PvP video about it, and this is back with Warcraft movies like you talked about the yeah. uh, Leroy Jenkins thing yeah. and the, and this video kind of blew up for five v five. It's like we just smashed the best team in the world four v five and like we, and we just continued to like farm them the whole night. So it's literally just a video of us just beating this this same team over and over <laughs> and over and over, and and uh, so like I kind of got. Uh, a lot more recognition from that because I was supposed to be the best battle group, and I got ranked one in all three brackets. There, I ended up getting sponsored. um The first team I I got sponsored by turned out to be like TLDR, like scammed me pretty hard. Well, or like basically, we're like kind of like a fake sponsor. Like they had all these things on their on their website about like, oh we're sponsored by this and that and all these different things. Um, and it was called Frag Dominant, and they told us we were going to go to this MLG. MLG announced that it was having Wow, so they were going to send us. They told us they had our play- plane tickets and everything. And like for weeks before the event, we're like, so can we like get to flight info or like what's up? Mm-hmm. And then like a couple days before they finally admit that they never bought tickets. They don't even oh have tickets. God. And they're like, oh, but like, but like we have the money, but it's like stuck in our bank or something, but like, you know, we'll pay you back though, or whatever. And we kind of like knew we got we were getting screwed at that point. Um but just like uh, my my two teammates were lucky enough that their parents were gonna pay, per, pay for their flights. And so like I went to my family and my family didn't have like a lot of extra money or anything, but they knew that like I'd been like really into this and like wanting to go so badly for a long time and like for a couple months before MLG, it was like all I was doing was preparing for this tournament. So my parents kind of like scraped together some money to send me. Um and I was kinda at that point, I was thinking, all right, well, I'm gonna go to this one tournament and then that's gonna be it, right? And then I'm like done with esports. And this was back in like the end of two thousand seven or or maybe start started two thousand eight or something. And so I was like, well, I guess that like that'll be a cool experience. That'll be it. And we went, and we, you know, there was teams from Europe and the best teams from North America, and we won. Um, And we won the first tournament. And then, you know, we got uh, offered a sponsorship by Evil Geniuses. Um, The the owner Alex Garfield back then, you know, came to me and said that they they wanted to pick up a WoW team, and they were just basically going to pick up whoever won that tournament. And we won that first MLG, so got sponsored by them. Um, you know, was with EG for like seven years. Uh, won a lot of tournaments, won a world championship, got to a lot of esports stuff with them. Um, even
0: got flights you know, paid for.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. can, you, can you imagine that mindset though? Of, yeah, I'm just gonna go to a tournament and buy whatever team wins. Like, <laughs> that is mind boggling <laughs> nowadays. Like, I'm just gonna go to worlds and pick up damn one because they won, you know? It's yeah, just... <laughs> yeah, it was just like mo-
2: most of the teams, like. It was so low money right so it's like yeah. it's just there it is a different world um you know I, I remember when when we first got sponsored it was just like the sponsorship was they would pay for our flights at our hotels and our and give us like free peripherals and stuff and that was considered like an insane sponsorship like uh, the yeah. whole pro scene was like jealous as hell of the sponsorship that like we were just getting flown around to all tournaments because they would fly us everywhere around, around the world for the tournaments um and get us a hotel room and we're like all packed in one hotel room right but like you know, that was considered fucking awesome. And later on when we when we started getting a salary, we we're like the only team in the world that was getting a salary at that point. So it was like it's not like people were making a lot of money from this. The only reason I made, you know, any money really was because we were winning tournaments and I was I was like making stream guides or like boosting people in arena or like doing other things on the side, right? Um, I think
1: that's the- one of the big like differences for, for a lot of the new fans and people growing up now. Is it like there? There are people growing up now in the world of of these giant salaries. We have announcements where perks buyout is. I don't even remember what Jack was saying. Like three just million, the five million. Yeah, it was yeah. almost insane. five million. Could you even like like put that side by side with what we're saying? Like the world yeah. that we grew yeah, up winning. In, like, like,
3: think about the yeah, hotel like, room you could get for that like give
2: me notes. i mean it, it, it's, it's really crazy right like you know when yep. jensen uh you know there was like league salary thing for him it was like yep. 1.4 million or whatever i was looking at it, it's like hundred and a some year. thousand per per month that he's making right you know the it's most I, I ever made per month as uh back then was 1500 a month and that was like the highest my salary went and that was doing like casting and streaming 40 yep. hours a week and uh you know competing as a, as a pro right um it's just a completely different world now, uh, but like you know, I, I loved it, and it was it was for me less about making the money and, and more about like getting to go these places and kind of doing what I enjoyed. And I thought, hey, maybe this can get bigger, and maybe I can do something later. Uh, and if not, I'll go back to school afterwards, right? Because I went straight out of high school; I didn't go to university. Um, but there always just kind of ended up being more opportunities. Uh, and you know, in, in 2010 was the first time I cast something. Uh, I was traveling for there was some sort of like promotional stuff for sponsors we had to do after a tournament there was like an mlg and then for for blizzcon qualifications it's like you the top teams like online um then get invited to like qualification realm or whatever basically and then the top two teams from that or no top eight teams from that went to like a north american finals tournament in person and then the top two teams from that went to blizzcon is basically how it worked um so like we we were doing this promotional thing and then basically i had like the last weekend out of like a couple week long qualification thing online to try to qualify for for the actual live tournament so i get back and every team that was high rated what they would do is as soon as we would log in a character they would add all our characters to friends list and then as soon as we would log in they would log out and they wouldn't play and so like we couldn't play against any high rated teams um and then what they started doing when we just were like all right well we'll just play like a thousand games and we'll just win a point a game from all these low-rated teams. So then what every team started doing is these teams that were, say, like, I'm just making up ratings, but say they are your 3,000 MMR team, they they create new characters, they get to 2,000 rating, and then they chain queue. So, like, we basically, and, like, leaving games to lose on purpose to other teams to keep the rating low. So we would basically have to beat them, like, 30 times for every one game we lost to gain rating. And then these are other, like, top Holy pro teams. Crap. So we got within, like, I don't know, three or five rating or something of qualifying, and we lost the game, and then it was just, like, gg right we're just done um so i was so sad i was, like i felt terrible first of all that like i had been traveling doing the sponsor stuff and we weren't gonna get to go to blizzcon and like i felt like it was my fault and we got really screwed um but i like really wanted to go because blizzcon was like such a big deal and it was so cool like to see my friends there and all this stuff so i was trying to think of how i could go and i reached out some people at blizzard and i was like well do you need do you guys need casters because Back then, they, they would just have, like, people that worked at their company who, like, didn't even necessarily PvP or, like, have casting experience really would just, like, be the casters for BlizzCon. Even though it was, like, there's 30,000 people, they were watching it. But, like... Which is this another be, sentence yeah. that now just does not translate. They're you actually could not standing just...
1: up or in the office. All right, who wants to do it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> like, they would have, you know, uh, Lore, who was one of the community managers and, like, had a YouTube channel and stuff. But, like, he didn't really PvP, right? You know, it's something against him, but he didn't really PvP. He didn't really know it um you know so he would be casting so they said yeah i could go and you know i cast there and i I loved it actually had a a lot of fun you know i didn't really think i was gonna enjoy it i was i think i got maybe 400 bucks to like for like the whole blisscon event or something you know not a lot of money um especially now when you're thinking thinking about stuff for like essentially a world championship right like one of the biggest gaming events in in the world to get 400 for for going there and i had to be there for like a week with the flights before (laughs) and after um but anyway, you know, I really enjoyed it. And um, I still wanted to comp- keep competing as a pro. But one of the things that like, did benefit me was because stuff was kind of like more antiquated and janky back then, uh, everyone wanted me to cast after that. And I was like, well, I'll only cast if you still let me play in the tournament. I'm not just going to cast. So if you want me to cast, you have to let me do both. So I would start doing like online tournaments and stuff, or like even some land tournaments where like I'll play my games. And then as soon as my game finished, I would just start casting the other games. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's very FGC. Love, It's Yeah, that's exactly yeah, how so, that works over
0: there.
2: So it was it was a lot of fun, you know. I started doing that, and then I eventually, um, you know, went and lived in uh, the StarCraft Two programming house for for EG because I was like really into StarCraft, uh, playing a ton, and ton, and ton of StarCraft Two. I'm, so I'm so jealous. Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love those guys. <laughs> um,
2: and so I went and lived there because to cast the like I can't. Even, I think it was a guy named Orb who was going to cast their their um, team league. Uh, and then there was some like controversy where like you know he had said some really racist stuff and he got fired uh before like and they needed someone like right away and i was like i like casting i could do this and like send us a vod so like i cast the starcraft games and them them like all right you're hired so i think i was maybe getting 500 dollars a month for casting six hours a day six days a week of starcraft so like <laughs> like way less than minimum wage you know of like of casting like full time right and i was also still doing uh wow pro stuff at this time and casting wow tournaments so it was like literally all i did ever was esports and casting like there was no free time in my life ever um and i did that for like a year and a half after that i started casting hearthstone and stuff and it was just like to make enough money to get by you really just had to do a lot of stuff right um so I started casting Hearthstone, you know, I got to cast Hearthstone at BlizzCon and, and do a lot of, you know, different events there and stuff. So, you know, for me, really, I've just been casting a lot since 2010 and cast for a lot of different titles. And um, I think it was, it was about 2015 when WoW uh, EG dropped their our WoW squad, not to pick up another WoW squad, but because they wanted to spend more money on, on Dota 2 roster. Um, and then after that, it was like, well, my salary pays for my rent. I don't know that I want to do this just off of like hoping that I get enough Twitch subs and things like that. Cause Twitch was so much smaller back then and it wasn't Twitch Prime and like all these things that like make people a lot more money. So like, you know, even with a couple thousand viewers regularly, I was making very little money from my stream. Um, and so I decided that I was just going to like try to get a more traditional job. Uh, and one of my friends that I had played a lot of WoW with, you know, worked at Riot and suggested, you know, I applied a play test. Uh, so at first I applied to esports. I got rejected, uh, for for an esports position wasn't even casting it was something else um and then I ended up getting in uh, at riot to play test. you know i did that for a while um and then i think lcs i guess it was like were you guys was it when you guys were going to an extra stream or you just needed more casters for some reason i don't even know
1: Honestly, I can't even remember uh, at, at what point you joined. It this must was like have 2015. just like showed up in the studio at some it, point. It must have been when we when we did like the the format change, A double stream. Yeah, yeah. probably. It, it must uh, have but, been that.
2: Yeah, like Jat reached out and stuff, or someone reached out and basically that they needed that they needed casters, um, and if I wanted to do it, and you know, I was keen. Um, I was kind of debating between doing that or just continuing along more traditional career path. Um, and I basically kind of thought it through, and I was like, well, you know, even if I don't end up liking the casting thing, I can probably go back to what I'm doing before. Um, and if I do, you know, if I pass it up, I probably can't get back in later, or or maybe not as easily. So um, started doing analyst desk and and that sort of stuff, and you know, eventually started full time. I think the next year, um, but for a while, I was basically doing like both jobs. Like I was c- coming to store meetings and doing analyst desk on weekends and stuff. So I was just like working seven days a week for like I think six months or something like that um yeah <laughs> and then because I was still doing my my full-time playtest stop. uh but you know so it was like actually like a, a, a relief when I swapped over finally because it was like oh my god I have days off like this is wonderful <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but then been, been with LCS for a long time now yeah like five five years or something like that four or that's five a- I don't know th-
1: that's actually making me remember um like the, the this decision point that I had because um like I was saying when I was working as an engineer for two years and casting TSM tournaments on the on the weekends. So it's like okay you're working five days a week at an engineering position and then on the weekends casting and basically yep. working two more. And I don't remember how much they paid me, but I uh, it was not a lot. I was I was doing it because I'm like I'm I am unfulfilled. I'm so sad at this, at this job. Like I, I did all my parents are like, or especially my dad is like, you did all this work to get your degree. Now you're an engineer. You have the engineering position. Like this is what you do. That is, that is life. Like you did it. You're done. You, you made it now. you like, you're good. You're good. (laughs) But like, I would always like, um, like I was saying, go back to the esports events. Like I remember so clearly the IPL events. Um, and especially um, IPL4. And just seeing all my old teammates and seeing all the old players in it and complaining to them about real real life work or whatever and wanting to get back in somehow. Um, and my dad pushing so hard to be like, all right, you, you have made the separation. But um, all his complaints to my mom. And so I had this big decision point where even when the LCS was announced, they only offered me at first, uh, I believe it was a six month, contract so i would have to quit my job up in the bay area um that was a senior engineer position and move down to los angeles just for a six-month contract and my dad was so hard against it he was he got he was pissed like he started yelling at me um but my and my mom was like could tell that i was so unhappy um and so and so she was like don't worry i'll take care of him like go um and so, at that point, Tim was actually one of the biggest like scariest decision points, because like Azale is saying like this is this is the difference between no money eSports, <laughs> which is going to make you happy or or traditional career path um and and especially it being just a six month contract like even even that uh-huh. little bit was was so scary um and the fact now that it has turned into ten years of basically of of lcs almost um so so we make uh, more
2: than 500 dollars a month now he's like yeah. yeah he's like
1: i do it all along great move <laughs>
0: so uh, how how far down the line did it take before your dad got on board like what was um, the turning I, point honestly
1: along? honestly I, after my mom like calmed him down and stuff and and after i had moved moved and i was i was gone I think um, as soon as I got the, like, conversion over from the six-month contract to, um, I think think the first one was just, like, was a full year after that. He was like, okay, you know, he'll survive, basically. Mm -hmm. At Mm -hmm. that point, he was just worried about that. Um, Up until then, he had continued to, like, literally send me job postings of engineering (laughs) job postings. (laughs) Like, he keeps sending me these. By the way, way. (laughs) (laughs) just in case... (laughs) Um but he like he was trying to be nicer about it because yeah, my yeah, mom yeah. like, talked to him. <laughs> but there was no way I was going back after that. Um I mean Azaleo's stories are also making me remember my favorite part of of playing was when we did go to WCG and seeing your teammates and like yep. mm-hmm. a lot of them for the first time ever. Like I had played yep. with these guys for you know, sometimes like 15 hours at a time online and like you have a really good strong friendship and and you've never even met them in real life and then like to all go on this like adventure all going down to some tournament in los angeles is like some big thing and then you go through this event together as like you're trying to overcome something and i still to this day think that winning the day that we won wcg um even though like league was a much 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 smaller esport and everything like that process of going through the tournament with my team and going through the adventure, and then the feeling of winning is is the best thing that I've ever felt in my whole life. Yeah. Uh, like, and now I'm just missing it so much because we're in COVID, and like that was yeah. also something in casting. Like our casters, like a group of friends, it goes off, and we would travel to the tournaments to be able to cast at
2: 3 a.m. Alone uh, yeah. in your room it ain't, ain't the same. It's, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah. It's 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 definitely different cuz it's like like you're saying like you you, know, you first time you meet your friends a lot of, for me like a lot of times when you go to like bliscon or something like that and you and you meet friends you've known you've never even seen a picture of them before like you don't even know what they look like you right? had like a like,
0: mental image of what they sounded yeah. like and then it's like <laughs> totally different to what they actually so, look like
2: it was like the the other thing I think for for me about like a lot of the old school esports stuff that like made people who were in it like want to keep doing it so much and be okay doing it was like today like esports is so much more mainstream right like you you have tournaments with like BMW and like you know yeah. Louis Vuitton and like you know these these uh, elite uh, corporate <laughs> sponsorships and stuff and it's like back back in the day when people would ask me what I was doing like I was I would like not only would people not understand it if I tried to explain it, I was embarrassed to to try to explain it. Because it's like when you're in your when you're in your early 20s, the first question that literally everyone asks you is like, Are you going to school? What are you taking? Right. Yeah. And I wasn't. And so, so, <laughs> so so like I was embarrassed and it and it was um, you know, always always awkward for me. Like you go to a party, you like meet friends, you meet someone, like that's the first question that anyone asks you, right? And you try to have this this thing where you're trying to explain it and no one gets it. No one like really understood it um back then. And so like that was always a struggle for people who were in it. And then you'd go to an MLG or you'd go to an IM or a DreamHack or a WCG or a BlizzCon and everyone got it. Right. You didn't have to have that like awkward conversation because everyone was was feeling the same thing. Right. Everyone was really into it the same way you were. And that that to me is like what made me love esports and what made me love those events. Um was just like that feeling of community and connection with these people that like I didn't even know because it was just kind of that acceptance that it's like we're all here for the same thing right like no one's going to ask me to explain why i'm at blizzcon you know when they're at blizzcon you know <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, they're going to come up to you and be like holy shit you are rank one Azale. like literal world champion parties the early esports parties by the way were so ridiculous like it's 50 actually...
2: dudes in a hotel room
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like and then you, you have that level and then you have like once twitch parties started happening and like yeah. twitch started getting bigger and then there, there started to be like some level of money like i remember so uh i don't know if curse is even still a thing uh but curse gaming um they they used to do like cool. a lot of ads and, and and that's this, how i met Kobe, <laughs> I still to this day don't remember the <laughs> night that I met him. Now. <laughs> I tell that story? His story
3: it sounds I, like a good party.
1: I, yeah, his story sound <laughs> <best, best laughs> probable to things that I would do. um But like the crazy thing at these points too was like I was re- like close friends with the owner. Of Curse, who bear, and he ends up becoming, you know, like this giant, you know, the, there are these millionaires that are, that are just like floating around that are gamers that are like excited. And all, so many people are, are having some of their early experiences, uh, you know, like meeting and partying with other people that are like-minded, like minded, like was saying. So many other experiences for a lot of these people have been like going to parties and not having stuff to talk about. But when everybody is a gamer, then everybody yeah. feels comfortable, and everybody just starts to just let loose. And yeah, I guess crazy.
3: Can I can I tell the <laughs> yeah of the story? yeah go for yeah, it. it? That it, sounds it, like it, the it, perfect story. It's not community. No, it's, it's not The
2: First, what I heard before is not. No, it's definitely it's definitely not bad. Um, but I just didn't know if you if you cared. Uh, so yeah. yeah, we were at some we were at some curse party or something like that. This was at at a BlizzCon, right? And like and I and at this point, I don't know this this was pre me joining Riot. So very early days of LCS, probably 2013, 2014, yeah. something yeah, we're like
1: that. Still like a WoW player, I'm pretty yeah. sure at the time. Yeah,
2: yeah, I was I was playing at BlizzCon that that year. Um, I think twenty fourteen, maybe. Anyway, uh, and so like I'd been watching LCS though, so I knew who Kobe was, and like Kobe was my favorite caster, and uh, I didn't know that he knew who I was or anything like that. So he's at he, we're at this this party, and like I see him kind of just like you know like across the room whatever. He looks over and he just like locks eyes with me, and he goes and he just, starts, he just starts running over to me, and I'm like, "What's happening here?" And, and he literally just runs and just jumps, and I'm like, "I have to catch him." He's in arms. He's like I fucking love you. I'm like, "What's up, bro?"
1: And like, uh, and I'm like, this is really I, had, cool. this is... "I had played a lot of I had played a lot of WoW when when I was younger." And and I'm really competitive. I always try and play, you know, PvP or whatever competitive aspect of any game. And Azale was the best. Yeah. And, and and so I was a fan. <laughs> and yeah. It, it's a gaming but party. I was, fan so too.
3: <laughs> I was like. <laughs>
0: I I was Dude, I, I was know. a fan of Azale as well. Like over on the other side of the world, my friend was like the biggest SeaDu fanboy in the history of the universe. He was a resto shaman, and he would just like watch every single fucking game over and over and over. And he was like, "You need to watch more Azale." And I was like, "It was like Azale, uh, Mediva, and Snutzy were the, like the three that I would like watch religiously to try and get good." But I remember yeah, when I uh, when I first joined ESL, you guys were reminded me of. Um, the first Christmas party I went to. So I'm like this, I, I had kind of a similar experience of esports to you guys. It's like going to the, the tournaments and stuff, but obviously in America, the tournaments were much bigger in the UK scene. Tournaments aren't that huge. <laughs> um, so it was more like I series and Epic land. And uh, I, I was doing freelance stuff there. I ended up getting a job with ESL, but it was casting just everything that needed to be cast, basically to justify the salary. And I, it, pretty much immediately after I joined, like three months after I joined, we did a Christmas party and I was at the UK office. But this was the first year that the UK office had officially been ESL. So they were like, all right, all of the offices from all over Europe are coming to Germany to the main office and we're going to doing a massive ESL Christmas party. And so we went over there and they rented this bowling alley in Cologne. And I remember walking in, it's like this... Like, you know, gooey eyed, green around the ears, esports guy that was just basically a. Is that a phrase? I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, But like, I I was like still new, so new to everything. And I walk in and there's like Joe Miller's over there, D Man's over there, there's Pansy and Machine and like Momo who cast Call of Duty and like all of these ESL people that I've like looked up to for years. And then I go to the bar and it's an open bar and I'm like, can I have vodka Coke? And they give me. A bottle of Smirnoff and a bottle of Coke. And I'm like, <laughs> This is it. This is the career for me. I'm stay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, take care of it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and, and at that point, I was like, I'm never leaving. This is this is it for life now. Uh, but yeah. Right. It's it's crazy how uh it's crazy how different esports is to like the normal world, especially when you first join, like the stark contrast. Because I was working in Subway before I joined ESL, and it was like Subway and then like freelance gigs on the side. I mean, Dagda, you were working, what, in a bank? I was
3: working finance, yeah. <laughs> so that's why I always get jealous when I hear all these stories, because like I started in Ireland where we had like a 100 of us that would rent a hotel basement, and we'd all play games. It was just people you'd play with online. And then we'd all go in for pints that night, and you'd, like... So I, I would cast the games. So we'd go out for drinks until 3am. But I lived an hour away, well, an hour and a half away from where the, the where we were actually casting the games. So i get a, tr- a bus home for an hour and a half to sleep for about an hour, maybe two hours, to get the bus back in, to be in for nine o'clock that morning. Oh, no. <laughs> to then start casting again. So you just cast the whole day. But there was just a bunch yeah. of friends that were doing it. Um, Like, I didn't really have the the mental parties or anything like that until I'd not, well, I mean, we did a little bit when I worked with ESL when I first met Joe, but like outside of that, it was just a group of lads that were just, we had a bit of fun. There was maybe a hundred to 150 of us that just wanted to try it out. So let's just rent a hotel room and go for it. So it's always crazy when I hear like people going to BlizzCon and all these kind of stuff, because we just don't have that in Ireland. And they just kind of slowly build up from there.
1: I think, I think the craziest ones are actually in the early stages of um, LCS. Hmm. Since there was a new influx of money and it was the yeah. transitional period of the early stages that we're talking about um, with the Zale into big sponsorships. And a lot of these players having a bunch of money and these teams having team houses. Like we would have team parties and LCS parties and, and like, lots of players and everything would would like those are the ones that that um I I really miss from moving down here in LA um because it didn't take very long for those to have to get cleaned up real quick because like you have <laughs> you have all the, you have these spo- these sponsorships and this money and and um you have all these sponsors that want results um and, and so it got much more strict and much more strict Um, very quickly and now that stuff just doesn't exist so that's why i i forget was it crown a couple of weeks ago there was like a reddit post or something where crown was like i can't believe lcs players go out like partying the night before games and stuff like that and i was like that's ridiculous we haven't done that in years so. <laughs> you haven't even maybe, seen what maybe, pies look maybe like the first year maybe 2013 lcs <laughs> i would have been like oh, okay yeah one of these one of these teams maybe i could see it happening but i'm like that's <laughs> ridiculous because uh, i would have been invited i would have known about it <laughs>
2: <that.
1: laughs> like i know some people were saying that it was maybe
2: like a mistranslation or or maybe like a. A different uh, opinion of what a party is you know because uh some some people like i think it was maybe alarm who was like on optic with him at, at the time and stuff was, was basically saying it was like maybe them having a beer with dinner was considered yeah. like partying yeah. because that the lcs players do go out uh for dinner a lot right but it's like you go out and you have ramen and you maybe have a uh, have a beer with your dinner right yeah. and so like maybe that was his his like um impression of like oh they're like out they're out drinking right like that's that's like partying Um. but but it's pretty tame now honestly like uh people are so focused and and like like kobe said it's like as money goes up expectations go up right like you're not going to get paid a million dollars to play in the lcs and they're not they're not going to let you just like screw off and go out partying all the time and everything like these players are are grinding and it's in their contract they have to grind that you have to play, you know, x x amount of scrim blocks per day, x amount of solo queue games. The coaches and everyone are tracking how many games they have played on all their accounts and like it's it's very full time for these players. Like most of the pros I know have have, have maybe one offish day and that usually becomes a, like maybe go see your girlfriend for a bit and then get back to solo queue. Like these guys are yeah. grinding.
3: Was there a guy that you saw who was like just off the walls bonkers? And then he just out of nowhere was just like, all right, cool. I'm settling down. I got to get into this. Like, was there that sudden transition or was it just kind of gradually people kind of went, no, actually, we, we need to focus on this a little.
1: Honestly, I think it was it was pretty quick for for everybody, because it was I don't even remember. Maybe it was only the first year. Maybe it was the first two years, but um, it was literally as as quick as like um, the start of the next season. Uh, everyone is like, nope, no more parties ever. And I was like, what? Never. I've got all They're this like, alcohol. Oh, like having withdrawals. <laughs> um, and and then and that was a long time ago too. Um, like I'm saying it's at the very beginning. Yeah. So it, it transitioned to that. And then even from that point, then a lot of the teams started moving away from even having like that team house. Um, because that that was why a lot of it occurred. Like a lot of the teams in the in the beginning had these big team houses, they were all there. It was a perfect place. Um, you know. So uh, I I'd say it's it was a pretty dark transition for everybody. Huh?
2: I said it just wasn't the perfect place in the team's opinion.
1: It's true, true, exactly. <laughs> when, when,
2: I, when I lived in the the E.G. house though in Phoenix, we weren't we were like not allowed to have like anyone over if they weren't like family or like your serious like girlfriend or like best friend that you've known forever. You weren't even allowed to have anyone over because they were they were so afraid that uh, we were going to get robbed yeah. uh, because like you know they they would have. All these gaming rigs in in this uh, you know house in in Phoenix, and sponsors would send all the stuff there. So like you know we'd have like a garage full of like Intel processors and things like that, and like you know headsets. There was a lot of money worth of computer parts and yeah. <laughs> and you know many pallets of, of Monster Energy drinks yeah. and, <laughs> and different things. So like it people didn't really have uh, you know at least in 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 that house people almost never had anyone over right i think i had like a friend over one time in the like year and a half that I lived there if if you were going to hang out with people you had to like leave the house and you couldn't even tell people the address so uh yeah. like a lot of teams take it like pretty serious because uh, you know they're not only stuff like like worries about getting robbed and whatnot but like they don't want fans showing up to the house they don't want the address to leak you know, like uh, weirdos coming or people even just showing up and waiting outside oh, your house man. with pictures with all the uh, stuff from know. LPL this year. Like, I mean, there's some weird that. stuff that, just that, that, that some people are really weird. Yeah. Like, it, like even when I lived in Toronto, I, when I was streaming full time, this is back in like when I was still on EG, um, I lived on the seventh floor of an apartment building. Right. And you can see my window behind me. So you could see like, kind of like a cityscape, um, and like some trees, or something like that out out my window when I used to stream, and some people literally took the background image and went on Google Maps and like Google Street and stuff uh, in Toronto and scoured the entire city to figure out what the background was, and then from there went in person to like the park and like basically got the angle right to figure out where my apartment would be um. And these people literally figured out. Like, just one day I was streaming, and someone was like, "Do you live in apartment seven hundred three on blah 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 blah?" Right? And I was like, nope. "No, definitely nope. not. Don't live there. <laughs> no, I don't even live in that area." Right? And like, but internally, I'm like, "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck?" You know, like, and um. Some, some people started literally like, because like, I would kind of like say some stuff about my day. I wasn't talking about like super personal stuff, but I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to stop streaming. I'm going to go to the gym. I'll be back later. I'll stream some more. Right. So people started waiting at the gyms in my area for me and stuff like that. And I had some people literally like wait inside the gym and were like following me around in the gym as I was working out and just like watching me. And it was like, there are some weird ass people out there. Um, so it's it's like it's definitely really crazy like the lengths people will go to. So yeah. uh, That's you know, terrible. I don't I don't blame people for being like really careful about that stuff now. Cause like I thought there was no chance that hell anyone would ever figure anything out from like my window on the seventh floor. Yeah.
1: And, and there those there have been real like scary cases uh of stuff happening from a lot of the teams too, of people mm-hmm. finding out. Legit, especially high-profile one.
3: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. It's uh, it's getting it's getting to the point where, especially with the teams and the pro players, like it's not just esports anymore. They're real celebrities now, and the general public is a is a scary beast to be unleashed upon. Uh If especially if you're performing badly at the time in the standings or whatever, like people get crazy. Um, it's so
3: hard as well because you've got like. I mean, you're trying to stream your daily life. You've got, like, unboxing videos. You've got all this stuff that's going on, and you leave one thing out, and you're just done for. It just seems so difficult to try and manage all the different avenues that people come in with.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot of people who have had issues with that, and that's also why, like, I know a, a lot of, like, streamers and stuff have had to move, right, and, and different things, because something get leaked, or, like, a, a teams have had to move and different stuff, so it's it's definitely a uh, pretty, pretty serious business now. I mean, like, uh, like you said, too, a, a lot of like most famous players are like actually more well known than some regular celebrities these days. It's so uh, it, it's definitely, it's definitely crazy. Yeah. You, know, you have
0: to, have to be somewhat careful. I mean, especially in China as well. Like they, oh, yeah. someone did like a big poll last year of like the most famous people in China and Uzi, oh, yeah, won, Uzi won that poll. Right? Yeah, and then Jackie Love was like fourth or something like that. Like in the, the top five, the there's yeah. two like LPL players, it, not just in My terms God. of esports, but like in terms of fame in China. Full stop. It, it's just absolutely unbelievable. So
3: yeah, even looking at like the Vici lads, I think Forge and Ike's, I think were invited to like the Chinese International Film Festival as like celebrities. For it. it's just like they're just up there with the likes of every musician. They're not have even that great. You can think of.
2: I yeah, mean, LPL is so huge. Like yeah. LPL is insane now, right? It's, it's crazy. like 10x the the other leagues and stuff, and and it's it's just a, a crazy, crazy, crazy amount of fans that watch it. So you know, the the players become idolized. The players become, you know, and, and I mean. Uzi was in like the Nike ads and stuff, right? Yeah. You know, it's like these guys are in mainstream. Jackie Love released. Jackie Love released
3: a Christmas <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> album. <laughs> like how ridiculous is that?
0: He's, <laughs> that. he's totally done great. like I think seven or eight different Yeah,
3: he's actually shoes. pretty good, yeah. Oh, did okay. you
0: hit, did you see the the LPL song as well where they got like I think there was like eight players Nolan, or something that were Ron. all singing in it? Uh, yeah. They uh, did Nolan like a whole song. Like, yeah. The
3: all star song is for lpl is the pro players oh that's funny <laughs>
0: they're just like yeah. highly produced and autotuned and stuff but yeah yeah
3: <laughs> I, I watch like a lot of
2: lpl but i always i always watch the vods and then i just skip forward to the games so i think i yeah. miss a lot of that stuff right because it's like when you're when you're trying to power through vods uh you know <laughs> speed it <laughs> well, up get get to yeah. the game start we
0: don't necessarily always get it on our broadcast but we kind of get it in our periphery because of being at the studio and stuff like that but yeah I mean Jackie Love is he was in like seven or eight different like fashion magazine shoots over the course of the last few months like
2: that's like the what is it is it your all-star no that's award show the LPL award show I always see those like fashion breakdowns of like Jackie Love is wearing an $18,000 custom shirt blah 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 and like I'm like oh my god like (laughs) these guys are, are it's legit like you know the the celebrity tabloid yeah. type stuff that you see of of celebs here on the red carpet, right? His
0: outfit so, like, is worth a low tier LEC salary. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just mind blowing, honestly. Um, so, but
3: even I- speaking of LEC, sorry, interrupt you. The lads that went over with grabs, we were talking to him, was like all of the G two guys are massively known over there. So they actually couldn't go anywhere, yeah. And I think their hotel got leaked at one stage as well. And they would have fans outside waiting for them because they were the like they were G two like it's not even just the chinese guys it's just league of legends as a whole over there it just seems to be so much bigger
2: and esports in general right like that yeah. was something that i never realized like you know um how 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 big of a following there is in general right right like uh the the most like the closest i ever have had to like a true like overwhelming kind of celebrity experience was um when they had blizzcon in china and i didn't expect anyone to know who i was uh and it was it was actually like crazy it was like overwhelming um uh, because you know they they had they had the blizzcon there and they had never had blizzcon in in asia at all it's it's been in like the irvine convention center literally every year except this one year where they had the i guess they didn't even call it blizzcon they called it the battle net world championship or whatever but it's essentially a blizzcon tournament happened in china and we literally like at blizzcon it, it, it's like there's a lot of people who will come up to you and stuff but like there's no secret way that you get to the stage or anything you literally just like hop down off the stage and like walk back to like wherever you're going right um in china we would do this and there there would literally be a crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people around you literally couldn't move Decent. like you couldn't walk you couldn't get get through um it was it was crazy like uh, you know which you know later people were like oh yeah like wow like wow is just like way bigger in china because warcraft is huge in china like the warcraft movie was, <laughs> yeah. like, was like enormous <laughs> in china even though that movie was fucking horrible um you know like warcraft 3 is is, was, is enormous in, in china dota was enormous in china right like it makes sense like that whole universe has always been so popular there but it just was never something that it even occurred to me that i would that like chinese people would know me right like these people would come up all, like you're just getting mobbed by thousands of fans. It was, it was bizarre. And people come up to me and they'd be like, Zil, Zil. and they, a lot of them spoke English or like, okay, English. Right. And I just kind of assumed, okay, well, they're just trying to like get a picture with like some random person who's at this tournament, but they'd be like, I watch all your games. And like, well, you know, they'd be telling us about like six years ago when you played this team against that. I'm like, what the hell? I don't remember that. <laughs> like, it's it crazy,
0: man. Uh, esports in China is a big deal for sure. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. Um, I, I want to bring the topic back to more Western esports. Um, and I want to open up the topic of the new LCS format, if that's okay with you guys, because that finally got announced today. And it's slightly different, I think, to what the speculation was, if I'm not mistaken. I'm still a little hazy on the details of exactly how the format works, uh, but I wanted to get your guys' perspective on basically adding more games to the year, because I feel like there's pretty much only positives right to adding more games to the schedule because i'm a huge proponent for best of three which i know we're probably not going to see in the west for a while uh, because of viewership but what are your guys takes on the new format like do you like it are there any negatives you think of are there any major positives that people have not really been talking about yet
2: um I- i'm i'm really excited for it you know i think uh especially the spring tournament is going to be like a cool way to kick things off that mm-hmm. i think is going to be pretty like an interesting NHS because cup kind of thing yeah exactly it's like we've never had that and there's been so much change on the rosters that like this will give us a true idea of who is where to start things off and i think that is going to be kind of interesting that is going to be kind of exciting um you know and even getting to see the debut of some of these like star-studded uh you know rosters uh there's quite a bit of prize money on the line too i think that the first te- place team gets like 150k and 50k for for a charity so yeah. it, it's it's pretty cool Um, I'm very excited for that. You know, as far as having more games, like I I think it's fun to have more games um, for fans up to a point. And it's just a balance, right? Because if you go too far, it becomes like overwhelming, right? And and the individual games start to feel like they matter less. Like that's something that I felt like happened in StarCraft 2, where I was an enormous StarCraft 2 fan. I cast StarCraft 2, I played StarCraft 2 all day. And it just got to the point where it's like, some players are in like seven team leagues and like you've seen the same match, like eight times this week between, you know, different tournaments. Yeah. And it just didn't feel as meaningful. So I do think that there is such a thing as too many games. Um, you know, I, I'm excited that the spring standings are going to matter for summer. Uh, I am excited for the introductory tournament, you know, three, three days, five days a week is going to be a lot of games. And um, hopefully, hopefully there really are fun. Um, yeah, I, I know when we did like double stream, best of three, it felt like a lot. Uh, so I think that like having having the single stream makes it like more, like it's it's more manageable to follow. Like if you are a big LCS fan, but you can also hopefully like pick and choose and just like okay, if you're if you're a really big TL fan or whatever, you can watch still just their games and everything. And and hopefully it feels like it's a pretty good balance, like not too much and not too little.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I I think one thing that we lost when we uh, went to double stream specifically. Is like also the feeling of it being a single event, like a community feeling. You know, everybody watching the same game, everybody watching the same stream. So I really uh, feel strongly about the single stream thing. I'm always super excited for tournament formats. Mm-hmm. I, I like the the build up to pressure, the build up to uh, a winner. You know, the the kind of tension that gets uh, throughout the tournament where you teams get eliminated. Um, so I'm really excited for that. I think one of the only things to worry about with, with the more games, in addition to um, possible uh, burnout or, or viewer fatigue, is that one of the things that made has always made the LCS so big um, has been our connection with our players through streaming and content and stuff with fans and fans really getting to know the players and be fans of individual players. So with Doublelift and Bjergsen retiring, um, I know, like, I really want to make another, like, redouble efforts of push for that. And if you have more full game days, obviously there's less full time for, um, you know, opportunities like that, like streaming uh, individual content generation or anything to build fan connection. hmm that being said, um, I, I don't think you know three days of of gaming or, or of games breaks that point. That's just that's just something to keep in mind when I'm when I'm kind of judging how much is is uh, you know the right amount because uh, I, I think that's really important. I have to say though, like we've wanted to to redouble efforts and and build on that, and it is hard to stream. It is hard for for uh, you know players to to build that up themselves. We have some that are trying to do that. But simply by there being more time is no guarantee that there would be a better, you know, next explosion of a super popular streamer or something like that. So,
0: yeah, I definitely think it's something where it's like it's a combination of factors, and one of the things when you think back at some of the the bigger pro league streamers, right? When you think back in the day, it was like I'm a cutie pie, double F Bjergsen. Sneaky, Meteos. These are kind of the big names that jump out immediately. But they all kind of started streaming at a similar time, and it was when Twitch was, like, having its kind of initial massive boom where everyone and their mums were streaming at the time, and they were kind of the ones that were most successful out of the pros. Whereas nowadays, it's like, even if you're, like, if you scroll through the Twitch feed in League of Legends, there are a ton of pro players from EU and NA that are just getting, like, 150 200 views or whatever and nobody even knows that they're streaming it's it's way 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 harder to actually make some headway in the scene these days comparatively to what it was back in the day
2: i think i think part of it too is that the, the reason for the success of the guys that you mentioned it's beyond their league skills, right it's about their personality and yeah. and, and they make it entertaining and i do think that that is what like i have, i actually follow like every pro that I, that I find on, on Twitch usually, or at least like bookmark their streams and do things. And it's like, I've watched a lot of those 100 and 150 viewer streams. Generally speaking, they either don't interact at all or they stream really infrequently. Like there's, there's not a lot of guys who, who like don't get a lot of viewers who are really interactive and consistent. And that's really what streaming takes um, because streaming is so saturated these days. So you have got to be consistent. Consistency is absolutely king right now like all the most popular streamers stream on a set schedule incredibly regularly and it's it's because of that that people get used to just tuning into their stream right it's like all right you tune in uh, you know in the evening you watch Sneaky and if he's there every day you keep doing that and when Sneaky's not there anymore then you find another streamer and maybe maybe he's lost you as a viewer right and i think that's one of the things is that you really kind of have to develop that as a skill set when I think of an example of, of a guy like Lorlo, Lorlo started out as like that hundred view guy, but he actually streamed consistently, you know, interacts with more with chat, starts talking about, you know, his thought process and stuff, and and now he'll have a thousand or thousands of viewers and stuff like that. Um, you know, as a guy who who's been between Academy and LCS, right? So, you know, you can do it, but it's just that pros have to realize that these days there's so many good people streaming that you have to do more than just be good, right? It's not enough yeah. to just like be good
1: you have to be entertaining you have to do the other things too and, and that's hard the only people that can rely on just be good are literally the people that it is an event if you're streaming like faker turning on his stream you have to be faker or Caps, the most famous like he, player in you, the world <laughs> like you actually have to be the best you can't just be really really good or even 0.1 you literally have to be like caps turns on his stream and he gets 20 you know 20 easy. Yeah, uh, but and he can can be infrequent because he it makes it an event because it's capped. He's literally the best player um, in, in Europe. Reckless, so. too. Yeah. yeah. And and, it, and, and,
3: and sorry, go
1: ahead, Toby. No, uh, I'll go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, I think um, a lot of people, if you are in that situation, though, it's super difficult for you to come in and then go, well, I've just scrimmed all day. I've like, busted my ass all day all right, I'm going to switch on the stream, and I'm going to be up and I'm going to be happy and cheerful and all that. Like, you just want to, like, you're tired. You don't want to deal with the bullshit. You have some asshole in chat who's, like, running you through the ground because you missed the CS. You're just like, fuck off. Like, you don't want to deal with that. And I think that's the thing is that, like, a lot of people at home won't realize, like, how draining it is to actually be on camera and stream like that consistently and try and be that personality that you have to be. Yeah, That's
2: why Even- I, I was always so impressed by Sneaky, who would yeah. do, yeah. like, yeah. Who, who was actually yeah. successful in LCS, successful internationally, grind solo queue like almost no one else, do all the scrim blocks, and
1: then show up and stream every single day. Yeah, it's actually nuts. Uh, just adding on your thing of um, kind of like, uh, you know, how training it is, it's funny too, because uh, there's a lot of people that will be in your personal life just for uh, as a caster. And they'll ask me, um, "Oh, when are you done with uh, you know LCS today or whatever?" And, and try and schedule something for for like a, a big block of time right after. And I'm like, "Well, like I, I can physically be uh, alive and be somewhere, and, and I could I could be there with you, but my brain might be mush. Like I talking for that much, a, and you're basically just just freestyling the whole time, right? Like yeah. it, it's it's really it's that really draining. draining. Yeah. Um, mentally.
0: I mean there, there are days where that happens partway through the cast and you're getting into your last <laughs> yeah. game and you're like I don't know what that I'm point. saying anymore. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's definitely true. I I think uh one of the one of the weird things as well about streaming that I noticed is that when you look at the streamers that are successful and this isn't a rule but this is like I think something and I think like Sneaky is a, a decent example. I feel like you have to be kind of a people person to an extent to really um, be able to stream regularly without it like draining on you. I feel like if you're like an introverted person being on camera and actively talking to chat, that is in some ways a socializing event, right? That is socialization. So if you're like extroverted and you want to talk to people all the time, that's probably not so bad. But if Mm. you are like an introverted like nerd which yeah, i don't want to break it to anyone but that's kind of the target demographic of <laughs> video games um, that's really really difficult at that point and that that can be very draining so i think that kind of compounds on it and i think a lot of the streamers are trying to develop more of that kind of outgoing personality but that's a that's a journey that takes years that's not a not an easy fix so i think that's something that a lot yeah. of the players have to develop over time and and that's one thing that, that comes with practice as well, but it is definitely a journey to to make
2: for me, like like I streamed full-time for a while and and one of the things that you know makes me not feel like streaming now a lot of the time um, is just that it, it wasn't even like like I do not mind interacting with chat and doing these things, but it's like there's the pressure to be entertaining and be doing something entertaining at all times, you know even in the game, right? Um, you know, and if I use Wow's example because that was what I would stream. When people would tune in my stream, they'd want to see the highest rated arena, right? Like that is why they were tuning in my stream. But like if I just felt like, you know, fucking off and, and doing some translog stuff or like doing some dungeons, or maybe I just want to do some BGs with my friends or play some low-rated arena with like a buddy and help them out. Like that wasn't as entertaining, right? So then you have people complaining about what you're doing, or you, or like your view count goes way down, and all these types of things. So like I always felt like there's this pressure to be doing entertaining things at all time, even within the same game. Um, and that for me is what just makes it feel so inherently different. You know, like if if I'm just playing League or I'm just playing WoW by myself, and this like I can play a game and be like, oh, I'm just gonna like play with my dog for ten minutes after that game, or like you know, go AFK and make a sandwich and then, you know, maybe watch a show and then I'll come back and play some more. Whereas, like, you're streaming, you're kind of committed to, like, X amount of hours of, like, I will do entertaining thing, please watch me, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, which it, it's just different than just, like, chilling and, and playing
1: games. It's, yeah, it for sure is. Because I've even, I've start, I started streaming a couple of times in the off-season to try, try and start back up. Um, and another big difference of not just, like, just, Chilling and playing games like at most, a lot of people now have Discord groups where like you're playing with your friends and talking and stuff, and n- none of them want to. You don't get the same, yeah you know, just chatting with the the homies type of feeling for a lot of people. If you're streaming, like I have a bunch of friends that are super funny and and will say all this like uh, random stuff when we're playing, and and you'll have all these interactions. But if you if you stream and you're playing a game with them it is not nearly as fun like you, people are going to be guarded and um so so getting to that point that's why i think so many more streamers now are doing like streamer plus streamer lobbies and why like stuff like among us is is popular because um you got to have uh, other people that are on board with uh, yeah i mean
2: it just reminds me of playing, like I was playing Arena last night and both people I'm playing with are streaming, right? So you, you uh-huh. finish a game and then the call is just muted and they're talking to their stream on <laughs> their phone. So, like, what oh, well should... wrong that game. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what, what can we do different next year? Uh, t- and no response. I'm like, ah, they're both deaf. <laughs> <okay." laughs>
0: Bad. that's it we're, we're living in the future now this you can like, dystopian come carry video is video game I'm, future i'm
1: ready for the i'm ready for the arena carry when you want to that. all
0: right well let's uh let's uh, start talking a little bit about the rosters in lcs if that's all right because i really want to get your guys takes on who you think is going to be good and like how you think because like i think lcs is one of the biggest like Shakeups that we've seen in in quite a few years honestly when it comes to the rosters like i i think globally honestly there's some really really exciting rosters but lcs i think has had some of the biggest moves what are your guys takes on like who you think is going to be some of the strongest teams who maybe some of the underdog teams that people aren't really talking about because obviously like perks on cloud nine i think everyone's kind of expecting him to to pop off but are you guys in the camp of just like oh well perks has arrived he's just gonna dominate the league or is because I don't think it's going to be quite that simple. I don't know where you guys sit on that. Uh,
1: I mean- I think he's going to do really well. Um, uh, I'll I'll just start because I know that um some people have been like, oh yeah, but you know switching back and forth between AD carry and mid lane, and you know does does he still have it? Uh, I I think he's just he's definitely a very big pickup. He's definitely going to be very good um if you if you if you go too far the other way though and like you're saying oh it's going to stomp everything yeah i i think that is definitely uh, uh definitely an exaggeration i would say um for like general groupings i think most people agree with cloud nine and team liquid especially with the their big spending and the previous performances these are going to be the real big teams in the league and then you kind of have uh, another grouping um, and you have like TSM without with the drama and with all the retiring has, has gotten really risky but then they kind of pulled it back with the sword art signing signing <laughs> where like we went through a roller coaster with TSM <laughs> they we're like, oh no, they lost Bjergsen, but they got PoE. That's really good. Oh, wait, wait, well, they also lost Double Lift. Oh, but then now oh, they got Sword Art. Yeah. And everyone like thought 40. Sword Art wasn't
0: <laughs> coming because Double retired. Yeah. And it was like trying to do the 40 chess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so like, that one is super exciting. There's like drama involved in it. Um, I think that some of the ones, as far as you're caught, for, like under the radar. Um, some of the teams that did get hit with like losing, FlyQuest lost their whole roster. FlyQuest went to Worlds, then lost their whole roster after building up so consistently, back, split back after finals. split. They're like, "We're better, we're better, we're better." Our brand is better. Our players are better. Our team is coming together. Boom, blows up the entire roster. But on the upside, they get this like package deal with a bunch of the Cloud Nine members. Who Cloud Nine members from Academy or from the main team have have always been good pickups, um, and. They've also added the excitement of Jose Deodo off of his world's appearance um, and bringing in a LADAM player also brings that fan base, that excitement. So I think there are a lot of teams that have done well with whatever this offseason left them with. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, you have to go at it from different angles. Not everybody can be Cloud9 and Team Liquid and and drop in the, the perks signing and stuff, stuff like that. Uh, but i i'm excited for a lot of the different angles even with uh you know some of the teams that I had to scramble to
3: yeah i ahead. sorry I, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Uh, i was just say like I, I agree with uh you know what you're saying there was just two things i had uh, to add you know that i did see like a fair bit of like chatter of uh oh is like is perks even a good mid laner now he's an ad and i'm <laughs> And I'm like, do people not realize he played? Yeah, no, he's, in he's, spring he's and scared. he got he got 36 out of the 41 first place votes in LEC for first team all pro. So like definitively the best mid laner in Europe, right? You know, yeah. Caps wasn't playing mid, so okay, you can make that argument if you want, whatever. <laughs> but like it's not like, the, and that was coming off of an entire year of playing bot lane. He was just instantly the best mid laner in Europe and it wasn't close, right? And that that's what, like, the voting essentially showed us. That's what Spring Split showed us. So, um, you know, Perks I have confidence that he's going to be amazing. Um, there's some people on the other end that are, like, Burks is never going to die a single time this year and i'm like that's not going to happen you know like there are players who are going to stand up to him there are players that are going to challenge him he's going to lose count. lanes like <laughs> you know th- things are going to happen but i think he's going to be great and i'm really excited to see you know how well he does um the other team that i'm i'm, I'm kind of interested about is, is hundred thieves you know it's basically someday plus golden guardians um yeah. and i think i was i was really sad when i initially had heard that like golden guardians was basically losing their whole roster i'm like well that sucks like this team was actually pretty cool in playoffs. You know, they they took out TSM the first time around. They had, you know, a lot of development uh, with the He plus FBI bot lane. Like they became like the best laning duo in the league. You know, they had gotten really good and, and things felt like they were really moving in a strong direction for this team. So I'm excited to see how they do with 100 Thieves. Uh, I think Zix is a great coach and someday now has a stronger supporting cast around him. Um, so I think that's a team that could do some damage. And and it's it's like, besides that I, I kind of really agree with kobe as far as like okay there's these groupings right like the clear favorites at the top of, of c9 tl and then everyone else i think has to be like it has to be something special like your cohesion is better your strategies are better your coaching is better because on paper those two teams just are so much stronger right they outspent everyone by a lot besides maybe tsm with this crazy sword art deal but now tsm has lost in there and not double if there's like who knows how that's going to work and everything mm-hmm. but um i'm really really excited to see how it goes and i hope that some of these kind of next grouping of teams can rise up and and compete with tl and c9
1: what games are you most scared to cast i would say (laughs) i would say later in the season golden guardians um that that could be (laughs) those could be really rough i i like that you know we're getting some new names and they're taking chances and they're like hey you know what we have no money so we're going this route um I feel like it could get scary, though. If we have a a late-season Golden Guardians versus Cloud9 or something like that, (laughs) might might be a little
2: quick. That that could be tough. Um, I mean, I will say, though, like, Golden Guardians basically came out and said, like, hey, look, we didn't want to lose these players. We didn't have the money, right? Like, you know, their budget got cut and everything. So, like, I will say I am happier that they are going with like a bunch of rookies and and new players and trying something instead of just like getting the cheapest veterans that they could find right like i'm Hmm. more excited about it but yeah i mean if if you watch eight weeks of them getting slammed (laughs) then like um you're gonna be less excited for for their game potentially in in week nine i mean i I always think it's it's hardest to cast the uh, the two bottom teams right like If you're if you're saying it's a top Uh, team versus it's not it's not
1: over as quickly. (laughs) Yeah, well, and
2: and even if it's a stomp, you can still talk about like it's week nine. There's some playoff implications or whatever for the top team. and You can focus more on their story, right? If it's two teams that are eliminated from playoffs and are both on very poorly all year long then it's, it's harder to have exciting things to say. The See, Battle for
3: the Wooden Spoon. Dag, Dag <laughs> does it in the
0: same boat as you there, but me and Lyric love those games. <laughs> I revel oh. in the Fiesta, man. Like, I just just bury me in it. I'm more than happy the, to the just problem, watch, it watch is, the what it The thing. problem it's is if it's, if
1: it's not a Fiesta and if it's yeah. not, like, action, the problem is if they both, like, hunker down like and don't like want 20 to. That's PLG and LNG.
3: That's why I hate BLG, <laughs> yeah. LNG. What'll happen is BLG will look good maybe in one of these games and they'll win and you're like, that's the BLG we'll expect. And then you go into the next two games of the series and BLG have shit the bed. They're not doing anything for the next 20 minutes. And then LNG doesn't know what to do. Like, it's just the entire game. It's just the two of them staring at each other lovingly across the rift, but two are scared to actually interact with each other. It's a it is terrific. not lose,
2: right? Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs>
3: But this is what Joe and Lyric just live for. Like, they love these games, and I'll be, I'll be talking. I don't love the
2: boring games. We love pro war. I kill games. I those can be fun. If if yeah. teams are gonna scrap, you can have some fun because then you just talk about the game, right? Yeah. You talk about what's happening on the screen. But when there's no kills, everyone's eliminated from playoffs, and no one's doing anything, <laughs> those those are the real stinkers. Those are the hard games to cast.
0: I think that's maybe less common in LPL. Just because it's <laughs> LPL a little bit. Like there there are a, a couple of teams that do nothing, but I would say like maybe fourteen out of the seventeen teams are pretty proactive. It,
3: yeah, in good
0: ways back or back, bad ways. Like...
3: like even if you look back as far as spring V five like, that we had at that stage, we're still super interesting to watch. Because <laughs> yeah. you're hoping they would win a game. Actively running it. <laughs> but, but they were actually quite fun to watch. In um, summer there
1: are beasts,
2: small. small yeah,
3: yeah. yeah, Moles, Beast, Waywizard, Beast, PP, God, obviously, Church has been arisen around him. <laughs> um, but, like, there's there's a lot of fun there. But even when you look at, like, Rogue Warriors, who was, weren't one of our best teams, like, you still were like, they could probably win this. Like, there's a couple of games against Invictus Gaming that literally came down to Nexus Rushes. Like, there was several games that were crazy exciting. And even if they weren't the top team, you'd still get a decent series. But there was, like, one or two where you'd just be sitting there going, what am I doing with my life? Like, I could be doing so many (laughs) things. OMG is the
0: team for me that's just, like, every time I'm casting OMG last year, it's just, like, God, what the hell do I talk about? (laughs) There's, like, some players on here that used to be exciting, but they kind of just aren't anymore. Like, they don't really have a clear identity. They don't really, like, they're inconsistent as all hell, so you don't actually know what to expect from them. You don't even know what to expect from them in terms of picks because the players play different shit every single fucking game like I don't think they know what they're doing how the fuck am I meant to know what they're doing and it's like I don't know like when, when there's no expectation and no identity to a team I find it really difficult to get excited about that because it's like I actually, like to 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 see the the juxtaposition of different identities and like different styles of teams going against each other. But when you don't know what the style even is going to be, it's kind of like I don't know. And then you're disappointed regardless of which style shows up with OMG. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. There's... I'm
3: actually I'm curious to see what your take is on this Kobe because we had um Papa Smithy and Monte Cristo one a little while ago, and they said that these were the games that just weren't interesting that were the most brilliant to cast because they like they do the classic lck thing which is we're into the podcast mode we're just going to talk about star wars or you know whatever the hell else is on our mind and we're just going to go completely off track like what's your take on are you like excited that you just kind of get to podcast these games or you're like no i want action i want kills i want to actually get into the beefiness of this well i definitely i definitely like action and i definitely like kills I also just like any form,
1: anything that could be funny in the game, though. So like, yeah. it, it, even if there is some some bad or poor play aspect of the game, yeah. like it, if it goes
3: to the circle where you can turn around to be comical, yeah. I, I actually really enjoyed <laughs> that as well. well. Didn't you actually do the the Dignitas one where they lane swapped and they both? Oh, the, the Rift terrible The, the yeah, Rift terrible yeah, yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also did the
1: eighty-six no, it was, it was minutes remnants, right? game of yeah. complexity versus somebody um and, and eventually yeah you're just it's just so bad it goes so long for you get to this point where I, everybody even watching is getting delirious yeah. and you just have you yeah. just have fun in yeah. that way kind of thing uh, stitch has joined i'm jealous
3: yeah go stitch. now.
2: he's so fuzzy
1: <laughs> he's just
0: like a big ball of floof now
2: yeah, he's great. Oh,
3: he's adorable. <laughs> oh, you're a good, boy. oh
0: you're a good boy. I'm one of yeah. those people that just my brain turns to mush when there's a dog. All I can think about <laughs> is the dog. <laughs> That's me, too. You know, like, I'm the kind of person that, like,
2: we'll be walking somewhere with Joanne, and we like see a dog, and we're like cross the street to go see the dog. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm exactly
0: yeah. the same. Oh, Perfect. Yeah. And I i go into dog voice. it's just, like,
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't trust people who don't do that, you know?
2: Yeah. You, gotta, you gotta have a dog voice.
3: Exactly. Yeah. The best thing, though, is when you're talking to Munch and you're in the middle of a conversation and you'll see a dog because you're not sure <laughs> what's happened. Uh, it's just that split second <laughs> of, like, yeah, and then what we can do is if we relook at this and, oh, my God, he's so cute, and you're like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, sometimes that has to be done. It's, uh... It does. It's at, yeah, it's yeah, of, like, dogs
2: control. take priority. That's true. Yep. Uh, oh, I, I heard you guys talking about some of the long games. That was, like, um there was that one C nine game at worlds or whatever, where like everyone was memeing Medios for like learning Lee sin during the game or whatever. And it was like a sev- <laughs> 70 minute game or something. And then he had like a good kick at the end and they won the game off of it. Yeah. Um, And it was, it was so funny. Cause it was like this, such a long game and, I didn't even really know, like, what to say at the end, and I was just, like, kind of, like, it was, like, a hype moment, it was, like, a finish, I think it was at Worlds, and, like, C9-1, so, like, I was pretty excited, and I was, like, damn, like, what What an amazing game, or, you know, <laughs> something like that, and I was getting roasted
0: by the fans for being, like,
2: <laughs> this fucking idiot thinks that game is amazing, dude. <laughs> what a moron! <laughs> you know, I've, like...
0: I've had so many casts like that, where I come off of a game, like, that was fucking amazing, or that was fucking garbage, and And then I realized on Twitter the reaction to that game is the polar opposite of like my emotions from that game. Like sometimes it'll be like an absolute just just the worst game you've ever seen. And then everyone's like, that was really exciting. It's like, it's only exciting because they just chose to lose the game five times (laughs) in a row, taking it in turns. Like and then there's other times where it's like the I don't know. Yeah. I've had that before though, where it's like you come off the game and you're just your read of what happened is just totally different to what everyone else is thinking. <laughs>
2: Sometimes it's just like reacting to the moment, right? Like a game can be a real stinker and then like has a banger ending. Yeah. And you're like hyped up. And you're like, oh, let's go. This game was sick. And it's, <laughs> everyone's like, what about those last 40 minutes though where nothing happened?
0: Yeah. It's okay, we trained we trained in season 2 for this. Where the most exciting <laughs> thing for the first 25 minutes was who would break the farm record at 20 minutes. That was like all we lived for back then. So, uh so we we're, we're, we're good with the slower games. <laughs>
3: uh I dear. like I'm still trying to get used to the uh the slower games like because for LPL, a huge amount of them are just so fast-paced that like when you do end up cuz I end up doing the the JDG semi-finals I think it was back in spring and it was like 32 minute first blood and I was like what is going on here <laughs> Like, it was really cool it was nice macro play but I was just like I, every time they went to interact I was waiting for a fight we had the same one with the uh, we tried to do fight night for one of the series myself and Munch where we'd like built it up on the desk we came in we had like ties around our head we'd like our sleeves rolled up we're like this is fight night we introduced them um, who was a rookie and I can't and remember shit. who the other guy it was LGD versus IG. Yeah, yeah. LGD versus IG. we had introduced Shie and Rookie. We had like then it weigh 4,000 E-pounds. They've got like this is their fighting style. We had like an entire UFC fight card drawn up for these guys. And then we get in and like nobody was doing anything. It was like the worst <laughs> the worst early game we'd seen. So uh, yeah, it's it's hard when you've kind of built these things up, especially if you're going in off of a story meet going this is going to be action pace. You built the fans up and then there's just nothing and i think um that's the hardest part in a lot of these situations is looking at like the expectation you built for fans and thinking oh yeah this is gonna be great this is gonna be cool and you're just like oh, i've got nothing. <laughs> our, our all-star game where we have faker versus
1: rookie zach oh, versus Jesus. zach malzahar malzahar yeah we're like, oh my up. god I'm we like, get to see faker versus rookie. yeah uh,
2: that, that was actually like the biggest disappointment for me ever <laughs> it was, like, actually such an exciting meta, too, where every game was, you know, it was, like, Akali, Silas, Aurelia, like, all these skill-based matchups. It's coming to All-Stars. Maybe we'll get a Zed. It'll be an absolute banger. And we got fucking Tank Zack against
0: Malzahar. It's yeah. like... Uh... Got him. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, we had a similar thing with... The, when we had Rookie versus Knight, I think it was during the regular season, or it might have even been playoffs. And it was just, like they were just taking it in turns to play Galio versus, like, Oriana or something. And it was just like, okay, push the wave, go somewhere else. Never 1v1, never interact properly with each other. It's like, we have built this mid-lane matchup the entire year. Like, this is all we've talked about in the mid-lane is these two players. And you're just not even going to play against each other. It's oh, it just breaks my heart. And obviously, it's a competition, right? They're playing what's good. Galio was incredibly good Our at the time, but it's still just, like, disappointing <laughs> when you don't get to see that 1v1 that everyone wants to see.
3: Uh, just kind of moving off of this topic, though, a little bit, and moving into more kind of the casting and of things, is, like, what was a, um, a kind of a defining moment for you in your casting careers? Because obviously you guys kind of are looked at as legends. Like, was there, like, an in-game moment that you went, holy shit, this is it? Or was it a piece of advice you got? Or what was kind of something that helped shape you guys? Because... I know this is going to sound like I'm kind of pandering, but like way back when I started um, casting, I actually listened to one of your interviews, Kobe, and you were like, hey, I just want to be the guy sitting on the couch who it's like your friend who just knows more about the game than you. And that was very much what stuck with me for a lot of my casting. Um, And I was wondering if you had something similar that you kind of took and shaped the style that you wanted to bring to your... So I...
1: When I first started um casting the online tsm tournaments there they're just it, there was no league of legends casting so it didn't exist and and that's kind of why reggie um asked me is cuz i was a pro player i was basically the first retired or first kicked pro player <laughs> and so <laughs> when i started casting the games i came into it as like um i'm i was actually a lot of like pro player kind of uh making jokes uh, and 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 making fun of plays and mistakes i see in the in the other pro players of like my peers and stuff and so it kind of molded from that of like the oh just you know kind of having fun while informing um type of style and but then as i joined the lcs um and we started to craft what we wanted league of legends casting to be like we had tons of meetings um, by the way, when it was it was me, Jat, Riv and freak um the the original uh, lCS casters, we would meet with our um, caster manager and we had all kinds of meetings about what kind of structure we wanted, what were important elements that you want to build up to um, what really is important as far as setting up fights as far as looking into the future, predicting
3: things um. And all, what that look all like? That, was that like dragging in information from like NBA or NFL or how did you kind of go about that? Jat was
1: Jat was very strong in um in sp- in um, watching sports commentators. Um, like he he had a he really liked watching um sports commentators and and analyzing from that. And as well, our caster manager. Um, and then we also not just from traditional sports though. From other games, like I, I'd watched a lot of like fighting game stuff from, uh, you know, melee and, um, uh, and fighting games and stuff like that. And so trying to bring other other types of esports in, um, Counter Strike obviously was super big. I hadn't watched too much Starcraft, um, but obviously Tasteless and Artosis, everybody knows them, <laughs> and um, and we had uh, uh, Freak knows a lot of uh, you know, Starcraft casting and stuff like that. So we tried to bring it in from a lot of areas and come up with what are good elements what are bad elements that we can actually just get rid of um and and build some structure around it then we started having classes like improv classes we had um where we would have even vocal coaching we like we did all kinds of stuff like whatever we can think of to try and make it entertaining try and make it flow better um you know examine it from a lot of different angles i think one of uh, the big moments that happened for me later on while I was um pretty deep in a casting in 2015 um was the, the MSI CLG, um, you know, coming back and having this, this actual comeback from an unwinnable game, all inhibitors down, um, and and down, like North America already had the, the same stigma attached to it, um, you know, never win anything, uh, trash region always disappoints um and and to have that big giant comeback from like nothing happening and getting so exciting um just just added another level of of like the the emotional attachment to to games and competition and um and that sort of i i guess genuine um type of thing that that you can't force like it, it has to be something that that happens and and come comes to you basically in the game, Um, but I I guess those are all just different components and um, little pieces that we've tried to think about in the different, uh, you know, different stages.
2: Uh, Starting out casting for me was was very different. I think, Uh, I mean, League of Legends and just LCS in in particular is like much more like defined in like caster roles and like what what they want from you, what they don't want from you, all that sort of stuff. Like all my earlier years of casting was just like sit down cast the game right like that's about the instruction he got so start talking
1: yeah exactly
2: <laughs> like um you know maybe there there would be like some little like toss that they wanted you to give some sort of specific information but besides that it was basically just got plopped in front of a camera and like talk for 10 hours um you know and and so it was very different right because casting wow casting um starcraft casting hearthstone there was no defined rules so like I actually uh in WoW was like was much more known for like my play by play, right? You know, um and and that was like what I what kind of like got me known was play by like my play by play moments and, and that sort of stuff. And and same thing with StarCraft honestly to be uh to be honest. But like when I came into into league and it wasn't in those games that like I didn't do any analysis. It was just that like everyone kind of did everything. Right. Like you know I would just start play by playing and then the game went in, and I would like talk about things or maybe I would in my play by play it'd be saying like oh this, they just got this trinket, so now they're going to do this next thing, and then they're going to CC that guy, and then they're going to kill him. Right. And like, be like, wow, he knew that it was going to happen. Um, but in when I came into League, it was like very different because, you know, there's very clearly defined roles. Uh, you know, they're basically saying, like, okay, you're an ex pro, so like, you should be a color caster. Like, that's like, that should be your role. That makes sense. You understand the pro mindset. Like, you played a lot of years of that, so like, you can dig into that more. Uh so you know the first couple of years for me like in, in LCS was definitely an adjustment period. Um because it was like there was all these things I was used to doing that it was like, now that's not your job, right? Like like shut the fuck up. Like the play the play is it talking. Off. <laughs> the play by play is talking now, right? Um and and trying to like find find the balance there I think can be tough you know like I get excited in the games Kobe obviously does too right and like sometimes you like want to say something when during play with players something's happening, um and and you know I think finding the balance there is is sometimes tough, uh, but for me I didn't I didn't have any like eureka moment about like how to cast or anything like that uh I would say that like I I my favorite casters for for the longest time were and artosis I watched a tremendous amount of StarCraft I watched Brood War I watched SC two I would literally watch 100 percent of the gsl vods like i was really into starcraft and um played nonstop, and like i would watch all of code a all of code s every single game no matter what and um i i love i loved listening to them cast because it was like two two buddies right yeah. and um them casting together you know kind of made you feel like you were a part of like the group um which I, I i always thought was really really cool and and you know for a quite a few years in wow i got to cast with like one of my really good friends who you know got into casting and like that was more what we were trying to be right like was just more more like let our personalities and like us making fun of each other and stuff kind of like carry the cast just through like being entertaining um and that's something that like i've I've always kind of really enjoyed being able to like you know, But that takes the like, comfort, right? That takes uh, really knowing someone well, like what lines can you cross? What lines can't you cross? Like what's appropriate? What's not appropriate? Like what's going to come off well or play well with those players, uh, that caster? And like, that's, that's something that I think is really cool with LCS is that it was the first time in my life I actually got to like work with the same people uh, all the time, like event in, event out and and really try to like work on improving things together and i feel like i have a different style with a lot of these different casters now like depending on who's doing play-by-play like my cast will change because i I want to like amplify what they're doing and their strengths and and try to you know help help to work well with that to create a good cast um you know i cast hearthstone or i cast starcraft from of these things it's like you show up to an event you sit down with someone maybe you talk for two minutes and then you start casting it's like you're never going to see this person again, probably. So it is very different, um, you know. And, and I got to like for the first time actually like practice casting and like do these things, so and get feedback. Uh, so I never I never really had like a a real eureka moment other than just like I enjoyed this and it was something I was going to work at. I would say like my favorite moment casting uh, ever by far was just cast casting in Toronto, in the Air Canada Center, because like I've been in esports my, literally my entire adult life and. My family had never been able to come to an esports event because there's like nothing in Canada, and you know they couldn't really travel travel to to go to something. So it was like having this huge League of Legends event. Like growing up, we would sometimes go to like basketball games in the Air Canada Center with my family. Like a few times, we'd like drive up to Toronto and like get you know get some some tickets and watch a game. And so it was like we were back to this place that I'd gone with my dad and everything, and and my brother and my mom, and they were all there, and some of my good friends were there, and it was like being back in Canada in this big thing with my family there was just like the most amazing feeling ever. And, you know, I got to do the opening analyst desk and I can't remember what I said, but I was just like, like, I just said something along the lines of like it feels so good to be home. And like the crowd just like popped off and I literally was like going to cry. Right. I was, just <laughs> like, I was just like, Oh my God. I was, I was completely overcome by emotion. And um, it was, yeah, that that's, that's I think forever going to be my favorite favorite moment in casting. I don't think I think I ever topped that
3: what do you kind of guys see as like the future what to, what does that hold for you because i mean there was always as i heard you guys talk about your your past and pro career like i could kind of see there was a little bit of longing there to go back but i mean maybe that's not the case but like is there something like do you want to just stick with casting as long as you can like do you want to see it go into the long term where you're just like look i'm just going to keep going with this as long as i can or what 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 do you guys kind of hope for the future
2: um, I mean for for me, like as as far as like the longing of like pro stuff, uh like I, I the way I always describe it is that um as a pro, I had much higher highs, but I also had much lower lows and the day to day sucks ass. It's bad. Like it really is, right? Like, you know, the only thing I cared about winning by the end was like the world championship. Like I'd won everything else a bunch of times and stuff, you know, like I wanted to win more world championships, right? And so it's like if that's if that's your mindset, it's like you're literally dedicating your entire year to this one event. And then some small minuscule thing goes wrong at the event and you lose. And now you just like want to die. Like your whole year just feels like it got thrown in the trash. Like that to me is, is pro gaming. <laughs> and, and, and like when you win, it's like euphoric, right? Kobe said it was like the best feeling of his whole life when he won, you know, WCG. Um, you know, it, it is this like euphoric feeling, right? Because you dedicated everything you have into getting to this place and you win and it's and it's paid off right And it feels that you've been validated it feels incredible um when you lose it feels horrible and you know casting is much more even keel there's high moments there's low moments but i would say that it's much more even keel than than pro gaming so like i don't know that like i want to go back to, to being a pro i don't think that it's realistic i don't think that I ever would um but like am i going to cast the rest of my life i, I don't know right like i i, I enjoy casting um i've always kind of just like followed what i enjoy and you know done pretty well with it in in esports and um you know i've cast a a lot of different games so like to me if like 10 years down the line league of legends is gone as an esport like i don't think that has to be the end of the road because it's like my fourth or fifth game already um you know as far as like would i do other things like maybe you know i've i have some interest in doing the team side like you know teams will reach out to to i think a, a number of casters we've seen a number of casters move over to coaching positions and gm positions and stuff like that's definitely something that's out there but uh for me at least it would have to be like for me to want to do a gm or coaching position it would have to be like the perfect opportunity right like it would have to be like the right team like the right salary the right security like all all these things would have to come together because i do think that those types of jobs are like so all-consuming Right, like it, it, it becomes your like existence completely, and um, you know, I wouldn't want to do it unless I was I was ready to sign up for that because I wouldn't want to like half-ass something like that. It's just not really who I am. So, I I don't know, like uh, you know, I'm I'm happy casting. I would love to keep casting, but you never you never know the future holds.
1: Yeah i I've talked to I talked to several teams um about both coaching and GM positions, and literally from one of the coaching ones, um. My response was like, yes, like I, I am very competitive as a person. So, and and right now I I do feel like I would really love to be, be able to have that full commitment to one team because like I was saying, you do like, there is no comparison to, to winning and, and getting that feeling and being the best, but there is a huge possible downside. So." Um, it's it can take a big toll, and you really want it to be perfect. Um, to his point about you need a lot of conditions to align. Um, one of them would also for me one of my responses in the um, uh, in the talk was all right. You know, I I am interested. Like I I would want to do this, but I would not want to do it and be worse than Jat. Cause he just made that move. (laughs) Like I can't, I can't now move to a worse team and be a coach than dad. Like I'm going to be the second, like I'm just in your version. (laughs) No. So, so I need you to guarantee me that I have, I have full commitment. I have this, I have this, I have this. So I can
2: do yeah. it my
1: way and I could win because I'm not going to make that jump if I'm not going to win. Okay. <laughs> Cause that's the, that's the pull of it. Um, yeah. is, and there's is no the, job security
2: in coaching and, and GMing exactly. and stuff. Like people can every year, right? Like it, as long, like Kobe and I have cast for a long time. If we continue to work hard at casting, we should have a job casting right like it it feels like i like if, if you stop putting in effort and you're not working and prepping and, and really you know putting in effort of course you could get fired right um but i but i feel like we're at a point where if we continue working hard and, and working at it and trying to improve as we do then we, like we have a job at lcs right like i am not thinking i'm gonna get fired next year right if I as long as i'm, I'm doing the same that i'm doing now whereas like coaching and jamming and, and those types of positions as much as like there is that allure of like being more invested right like you're going to be living and dying by the results of a team and that can be exciting there also is the reality that it's like sometimes things outside of the coaches or the gms or whatever control can can happen right maybe your team loses their budget and all of a sudden your team sucks and you can't or maybe the players don't like each other that turns out and there's you know disagreements and there's always things that happen um that can be kind of beyond people's control and and sometimes unforeseeable even great teams can fall apart. Uh, you know, Reaper is, is the most successful, kind of like most well-respected coach in North America ever. His team went from like absolutely slamming spring when, and undefeated in the first half of summer to they don't make worlds and he doesn't have a job. Right? And that was like the best coach. Everyone said he was the best coach. So you, you never really know what's, what's going to happen, but um, it does feel like things can kind of change change um, very quickly, not only for pros, but also for coaches and, and GMs and stuff too.
1: One other thing I like about uh, casting and, and especially the position with LCS is that with LCS, we are so involved in all these different aspects that you get variation. I'm not just casting. We're also working with content generation. I'm also working with directors extremely closely, producers extremely closely, like all these different aspects of creating a show or a form of entertainment. So, I like I'm interested in a lot of these different little pieces of it, and I, I could see doing a different one of those pieces, but um, I don't think that I'll be leaving, you know, competitive gaming, esports. Um, like, I would still want to do something oh, in this mm-hmm. genre, along these lines. I've already, you know, done engineering and done desk job. And um, yes, I still, like, you have the degree. It doesn't expire. But <laughs> it's not something that I would want to go back to. And and it also is like, you know, you don't have current, you don't keep up with current, uh, you know, happenings and stuff. And I just and you'd like be starting there, at square one. Right? I, yeah, I trying. have. I have so much invested in, in this industry, um, that some something along these lines. Yeah, I, I think be I'll point.
2: be in esports for my entire life for sure. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I just I just don't know what it'll be, right? Like, like I I always thought that I would be in like WoW forever, and then that WoW esports did, kind of went downhill and like you know didn't get sponsored there, and then I, I thought maybe it was Starcraft and things and things that you know it's like stuff happens, right? Like like I like I am a realist in that I know that it's like this is my fourth or fifth game. May not be my last game, right? Like it may be. And if it is, that's awesome. Right. Like if I can cast this until I'm 60 or or 70 or whatever. And I'm just like an esports grandpa, Kobe and I are on the desk holding it down, you know, for like the 50th year. Uh that's cool. Uh but you you never know what's gonna happen, right? Esports like there's not a lot of games that have really stood the test of time, um, you know, fully. So Maybe maybe legal do it. You know, some other games have like Counter Strike. I would say is like the the closest to kind of doing it. Like obviously, StarCraft has been around for a really long time, but like hasn't been able to like maintain the popularity uh, over over the last quite a few years. You know, Counter Strike I think had a dip in popularity, but like with CS:GO, the majors and everything, it's it's huge. And that game has been around forever, so it's possible. But you just you just don't really know.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's where I'm at as well. It's like, I would love to do this like forever theoretically right and i've been a producer in the past as well i I had a couple of years sort of not quite away from casting but casting and then mostly producing um but like the the thing deep down in my heart is like i'd love to be that guy that's on the desk in in 50 years time that's got gray hair and like everyone knows them they're like the dinosaur nobody really knows where they came from they're just the guy that (laughs) like they say something and everyone just automatically they like compare it to a game that happened 20 years ago or to a player that was around years and years ago and like everyone just believes them kind of thing i'd love to eventually be that figure but you know that's obviously like a long long way off but um i I think we should we'll
2: come back we'll come back in 40 years for bevies and the boys
0: again yeah (laughs) the the 40 year reunion (laughs) Um, (laughs) with that though, I think we should, uh, start to wrap up this episode. So I want to give it over to you guys one last, one last time to do any shout outs to stuff you're doing. If there's like a dive episode coming up that you want to shout out, or if you're doing YouTube or Twitch, um, now is your opportunity to, to, to give that a, give that a yell.
1: Well, we did our last dive episode for this year, but we are going to have one, um, at the beginning of next year before LCS starts. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to be, but it'll be good. And you can follow our Twitters for for the announcements where we do most of that. Um, Mine is EsportsKobe. Azale's is Azale. Azale. Is there something else? Uh, Ride Azale. Ride Azale. Yeah, there you go. Um, And I I started streaming on Twitter. Twitter.
3: Which, uh, not a true friend not a true
1: <laughs> friend. no definitely a good friend, 100%. <laughs> yeah. well see i didn't know because a lot of us took right out of our twitter handles so i didn't know if it was just a zale or if you still have a right in there we, he's still right yeah i'm still right <laughs> uh and then my twitch is just kobe on twitch
2: uh i got nothing um yeah thanks for having me on um thank you to my wonderful wife who's waiting for me uh for waiting <laughs> for me and uh yeah i got that's that's about it i'm uh, excited for next year and yeah
1: hi joanne, <laughs> totally hi joanne. <laughs>
0: uh yeah thanks so much for joining us dag do anything you want to shout out before we close out the show uh
3: no just a massive thank you to the two guys for coming on um, it's been an absolute pleasure and it's been great to actually talk to you too. yeah
0: yeah it's been Me an absolute too. pleasure having you guys on uh this is the last episode of the year so, uh, check it out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts as well, and on YouTube, and obviously on Twitch. Uh, we're going to close out the show. It's been Munchables, it's been Dagda, it's been Kobe, and it's been Azale. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you guys in 2021 for more babies of the Boys.